Jedi Legends, and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift. This is episode 75. This is the Tour de France rest day pod, as requested by you guys. Uh, really excited to get stuck into the questions and the main talking points of the first nine stages of the Tour de France. It's been an epic. Uh, before we get stuck into that, big shout out to Zwift. It's the greatest indoor cycling platform ever. If you want to do training, um, racing, or just try and get fitter as a human being, there is no better than Zwift um, and really accessible as well. Shout out to everyone who joined the Tour de France uh, ride on Sunday, a little impromptu that I put up on the Instagram. So make sure you're following our Instagram at the Press Room Podcast. Um, that was really cool. We just did an hour, organised the ride. Everybody jumped in, jumped on on Sunday uh, around lunchtime. And um, yeah, we just chatted shit on the uh, little chat function on the Zwift Companion app. And uh, it's just the beauty of Zwift, you know. If it's raining outside, but you still want to catch up with your mates and go for a little bit of a pedal, get some exercise, you can do it on Zwift. You can organise your own rides. Um, choose whatever map you want. It's just a ripping feature and one that I uh, really like to use in the wintertime with my mates. So make sure you use it. 7-day trial is on Zwift.com. If you haven't used it already, uh, yeah, it's so good. Attacker, Smith Optics, of course. We love you guys. You want some kit, get it from Attacker. If you like some sunglasses, Smith Optics, they're doing some great stuff. Um, CAG21R. But Legends... A little bit about next week's episode, okay? We'll touch on next week's episode, all right? So we're recording on Thursday with Beth Duria. So Beth is the director sportive for the Canyon Shram Women's World Tour team, and she's been that for quite a number of years now. And what's interesting about Beth, who um, we'll talk to on Thursday, is that she was a former Australian cyclist, but she started in Canyon Shram as a soigneur after she retired cycling. So she became a soigneur for the team and she worked her way up to being the director sportif of Canyon Shram, one of the top teams in the Women's World Tour for the last five or six years. So we're gonna discuss with her how that sort of evolution happened. When she retired, we wanna find out what is it that she did? How did it work when she went from, all the way from basically, I guess you could say, the bottom of, um, you know, uh, a team sort of structure all the way to the top and of course they just finished the duro so beth is joining us right after a long uh, sort of stint on the road and she's getting ready for the tour de france femmes coming up in a two weeks time so we've got lots to talk about how it uh, how the duro went some of the big things she learned there with the team and we'll find out you know what what happens in a grand tour on the women's world tour you know what happens from a um, sport director's uh, point of view you know what are the things that they do day to day what are the challenges they face um, you know what are they sort of looking forward to and targeting at the Tour de France Femmes we'll talk about all of that if you want to ask Beth a question um, send it through I'll post something on uh, the Instagram in a couple of days time as well to get your questions in but yeah, send me a message and um, I'll add it to the list. So look out for that episode. That will happen next week and it's going to be a banger. Also, the Biddens. Yes, I listened. Okay, I got the feedback. I get it. We want the Biddens and they're coming. I'm on the design train right now. So the TPR bottles or Biddens, whatever you, I don't know why we call them Biddens, but they're coming and um, you know, just working through the design right now. Go for a minimalist design, but getting the colors right. I think you guys are gonna love them. And uh, don't wanna say any dates, but maybe around September, we'll see. But keep an eye out for that. 
Legends, let's get stuck into this, shall we? The Tour de France, the first nine stages. I mean, it's been one of the most exciting uh, Grand Tour starts, I think, in the last, wow, last six or seven, the ones that I can remember. Um, very rarely do they put mountain stages uh, such as this in the first week, you know. Um, you know, maybe at the Giro when they put the Mount Etna stage, often that features in the first week, but the Mount Etna stage is usually a headwind and it's not really a hard climb. And, you know, the stage, I guess the, the, the profile leading into Etna isn't very difficult either. So it tends to be a bit of a um, an anticlimactic stage. But this year's start was insane, wasn't it? It was just crazy. Uh, the, the Victor Le Fay stage, the, the mountain stage we've had already, Pog and Vingegaard, I mean, trading blows, both losing time. Um, who else thought the tour was over when Vingegaard lost, you know, what was it, 45 seconds? And when, um, sorry, Vingegaard, when Pogacar lost 45 seconds, uh, stage six it was. It's, geez, we all thought it was done, wasn't it? But the next day, Pogacar came back and, um, Oh, I tell you what, we've got ourselves a race. So super exciting. Let's get stuck into the questions. So first, well, we had a couple come in uh, wanting to know about Cavendish. Oh, I tell you what, that was a brutal, brutal blow. You guys all know that I am an absolute Mark Cavendish frother. I've read all his books. I just listen to every interview he ever does. Um, any interview anyone does about him, I just love him. And what I love about Cavendish is that no matter how many times people write him off, say shit, say he should retire, um, he just comes back and keeps winning. It's just incredible. And, um, you know, he's... It's just brutal to watch him crash like that, particularly after finishing second the day before. And I think it was clear, everyone that's watched those sprints um, that he's competed in, even the ones where he finished fifth and sixth, um, it's clear that Cav is in absolutely elite shape. Uh, you know, a Cav in bad form doesn't even get out of the seat when he sprints um, and you barely see him in the, in, in the finals and we saw that at the Giro yes he won that stage in Rome the final day it was amazing and I think what that showed is that in the Giro Cav showed he had the speed right he had the speed but he wasn't quite in tip-top shape because in those lead outs we were seeing in the Giro he just wasn't there you know he was nowhere and that yes the lead out is a thing right like having a poor lead out does hamper your sprinting ability but there's also an element of you have to be fit right you have to be fit to follow the lead out it's extremely difficult those final sort of six seven kilometers you're pushing crazy crazy watts we heard about it um when blake quick uh, sort of illustrated how hard it is in those final 10Ks. You know, it's not just sitting at the wheel 200 bloody watts. They're going full noise. And um, I think what we saw at the Giro was that Cap just wasn't quite fit enough. And when he got that really easy stage on the uh, the final day in Rome, he was able to show that on an easy stage, he had uh, the top speed. And as we've seen in the Tour de France, he's been in all the sprints. He's been there with no lead out. Um, there hasn't just been this... So, you know, there hasn't just been this magical lead out that's appeared different to the Giro. It's been the same. It's been nothing. A little bit of K's bowl position, maybe a little bit better, but um, for the most part, he's been left to his own devices. And 
with more fitness comes more ability to maneuver, a little bit easier to get out of the seat to, to change wheels or follow a different rider or another train moving up. You can make those movements a lot easier when you're not as fatigued and make better decisions. So there's no doubt that Cav came into the Tour de France in some of his best shape ever. And um, you know, we saw that on stage, uh, what was it, eight, stage eight, when he came second to Philipson, and we saw him hit out. Um, he hit a speed bump, he uh, you know, he jumped his gears, it kind of stuffed up his sprint, he had to sit down and then kick again, and you saw he had the speed. And um, I think it was inevitable then that he would have won a stage uh, at this tour. Um, you know, it's, it's, of course, hindsight's hard to say, but yeah, it's tough. So will he ride again? Um, will he ride again? I think, you know, understanding when you read a lot about Cav and you sort of read all his books and you sort of pay a lot of attention about him, there's one thing that always shines through is that Cav, well, actually two things. One, Cavendish is a nuffy for cycling. He is an absolute tragic. He loves cycling. He's not one of these guys that happens to be good at it and he likes winning, so he likes the sport. He likes it when he's losing and he likes it when he's winning. Um, and the second thing is, is that Cav is so competitive and I think he'll be um, absolutely ruined that the idea of finishing the Tour de France, his favorite race, you know, the race that's made his career, finishing the Tour de France in that way, um, particularly the way he did in the previous stage, I think Cav will be um, really determined to go around again. It'll be going through his mind. He can't make that decision now. I mean, he'll be trying to recover you know, it's a whirlwind. Um, his emotions would be crazy, but I think in a week or two weeks' time, he'll start to consider the idea of going around one more year. And um, I wasn't surprised to see Alex Vinokurov, the Astana boss and owner, um, already make it public that he said, Cav, we'll give you another year at Astana if you want to. Um, so the option is already there from one team for Cav to go again. And um, I couldn't see him changing teams, you know. Um, there's only so many teams that happen to be in that particular, um, you know, in that particular situation where they don't have a focused rider for the Tour de France. Uh, maybe they're a little bit in between a transition period and they don't have any rival sprinters to compete with Cav in that team. So a starter makes sense and I can see him going around again. Um, especially when Cav knows he can win. He wouldn't be riding unless he thought he could keep winning. And, um, oh, geez, one more year. But then again, you gotta think about his family. You know, I think he's got five kids and you know, he's spent a long time at this. Maybe he's like, you know, you know, maybe he's made that promise to his family. He said, nah, no more, it's time to just, you know, batten down. He doesn't need to work anymore, he doesn't need to ride anymore. He's, he's been really smart with his money, with his investments. So on that side, I can also see him not going. But if I had to say, will he ride the Tour de France again? I think he will, I think he will. Next, Flying Musette, my man, um, big man for sending this question in. What about the green jersey with all the new colours? Um, bring back the fluoro green colour. Yes. What do you guys think about the new colour for the sprint jersey? I have to say, I actually like the colour. I like it, but I don't think they should be changing an iconic colour. The colours of the Tour de France jerseys it's just you never change them, right? They're, they're bigger than the brand, right? The only reason, um, well, I guess you can say that the Skoda, which is the one of the major sponsors of the green jersey, 
their colours are that original fluoro green, but they've done a rebrand, and I think they've used this as a as a way to, uh, I guess, you know, rebrand their Skoda colours. So if you go to the Skoda website just now, um, which I'll just look it up, Skoda, Skoda on the website, they've changed all their colours. So I'm looking at it now. Everything is changed to that green. It used to be the fluoro green. If you go near a Skoda dealership, you'll see the difference. Um, in, in the previous color green. So that's the reason why the jersey has changed colors. It's they haven't just decided, it's that Skoda are rebranding their, um, you know, their branding materials. So oh, i tell you what I do like though, is Philipson Canyon. Philipson's Canyon is absolutely beautiful as he leads the points jersey competition. Um, but I wish they did uh, just keep it the same. I mean, you can still, I don't know, just make the Skoda wording that dark green you don't have to change the whole jersey so we'll see and what happens when skoda no longer sponsor the um, points jersey does it go back yeah, it'll be interesting um so yeah bring back the fluoro green i agree and um you know get yourself a skoda because i think they are pretty nice cars okay jared five is this the worst start ever for Sudal quick step oh my lord Yes, Quickstep are having a stinker. What was Casper Asgreen doing on that stage when Tim McClurk was in the breakaway? What was he doing trying to bridge across? That was amateur hour stuff. Uh, I can't believe he tried to attack while the bunch was pinned all in one line um, and trying to bridge you know, a minute 45 gap or whatever it was, uh, going 50Ks an hour. That's just amateur hour stuff and it kind of reeks of desperation from the management in the cars. Um, that reeks of the sponsors applying, uh, applying pressure to the DSs in the car um, and or applying pressure to Leferve, the owner of the team, and he is getting on the phone during the race and saying, we need to do more. And then the directors are yelling at the riders saying, you've got to do something. And the only rider in that moment who had a sniff of trying to bridge the gap would have been Asgreen. Um, and he just had to try. So it's just silly, but I think it's just pressure from the sponsors of trying to get more visibility. Because, um, yeah, at the moment, uh, poor old Jakobsen's not doing so well with that crash. Um, but it's good to see Alaphilippe. He's actually riding really well, and I think Alaphilippe's got a stage in him. Uh, he'll definitely get close to winning a stage from the breakaway. Maybe, maybe tomorrow. Tuesday stage does look pretty handy for Alaphilippe. So, yeah, it probably is their worst start. But um, I wouldn't write them off just yet. They do have a chance of getting a stage. Alaphilippe is getting a little bit better. And um, yeah, I guess we'll see. But I tell you what, I think in the next two years, their team's in trouble. Uh, just, to, just to give a little bit of uh, insight, I think um, there's one rider on that team that's holding all the sponsors together. And you remove that rider, Remco. If you remove him, a lot of the sponsors will walk, and uh, I think the team's in a bit of danger, to be honest, because I'm not sure if Remco's going to be at Quick Step uh, for the next. Well, I don't think he's going to see out his contract. Put it that way. So, Jared, another question: Will Jai maintain his podium spot? That is a really good question. And and watching last night, um, obviously he had that brief stage where he won. Uh, he won the stage and he, he, he got in the yellow jersey. It was simply just amazing to see, especially we all know from WA, West is best. We, we really love Jai here and um, you know, he's motivated a lot of young cyclists uh, and of course old cyclists as well 
um, with his his Giro exploits and winning the winning the Giro and, and and just his career so far. So for him to take the yellow jersey and win a stage in his first Grand Tour, he can go home now. I mean, just incredible. And yeah, you've seen the interviews. You can't help but but love him. He's that's exactly how he is. When you see those interviews and he's sort of laid back and the way he talks and the way he answers the questions. That is 100% what Jai is like in the flesh. Uh, that's or He just kind of is surprised by, I guess, you know, how much people froth him. So, yeah, it was good to get the T-shirt out for him on the uh, the following day. But will he maintain his podium spot? I have to say, there's one thing about Jai um, and his GC riding that I've noticed, and it's that in the third week, Jai is a specialist. Now... It's clear that he obviously doesn't have the watts that Vingegaard and Pogacar have. And I think, you know, that was clear from the start. And he may get better in the climbs um, in the future, in a few years to come. He's still young. But there's one thing that's clear, and that Jai will get better in the third week. And there's riders around him chasing that third spot on the podium uh, that's not necessarily... They're unknown in the third week, or they get worse. And I'm looking at the Yates brothers, uh, Simon and Adam, terrific riders, but they're not three-week riders. Um, they're not three-week riders. They're elite one-week riders, and I think we'll see both Yates's uh, crack in the in the um, in the final week, in particular stages 13 to 17. I think they will crack. Uh, one rider who I think will challenge Jai's podium spot is Pidcock. Watching Pidcock last night on that stage, and every Grand Tour stage so far, sorry, every GC stage so far, watching him, he has gotten better every time the road's gone up a proper mountain. And I'm really impressed. At first, I was actually a little bit like, I was a bit underwhelmed by how he turned up to the Tour. I was like, geez, I thought he would have been a little bit more snappy, a little bit uh, closer uh, to that podium spot. And he was dropping a little earlier to me. in the first couple of stages, but in the last two mountain stages, he's really impressed me, and particularly yesterday. Last night's stage, really impressive, and I think Peacock will get a lot better, and I think he'll overtake the Yateses. He'll uh, overtake uh, Rodriguez, which I think he's not too far behind. He's sitting around seventh or eighth spot at the moment, and I think he'll be the one challenging for the third spot on the podium for Jai. But will he maintain it, Jai? Yes, he definitely will. I think Peacock will push him, but Jai gets better in the third week, and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, on stage 17, the hardest day of the tour. Um, you look at that stage, 5,000 uh, vertical meters. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jai maintaining um, his, I guess, keeping closer to Vingegaard and Pog, because uh, he does get better. And the long, long climbs, uh, yeah, that's Jai's bread and butter. So, yeah, I think he will. I think he will. Uh, Nathan Ross, or N Ross, uh, what does Caleb need to do to win? Jeez, Caleb's had a good start. Wasn't his, his first week was was good. I think it was promising. Um, unlucky to lose one of his lead-out uh, men, or one of his lead-outs crashed, and I think another, a couple of his riders crashed. But um, I think Caleb was sort of the, the second fittest, uh, not second fastest, uh, but second fittest rider there. Him being in and around all the major sprints so far, or most of them, shows that he's in really good shape. And um, when he has hit the, you know, kicked out of the wheel, he has shown he's got the speed to win a stage. And um, he's kind of surprised me, to be honest. Uh, I love Caleb Ewan, and I, but I didn't think he'd have a chance of winning at this particular Grand Tour. But 
Um, what does he need to win? I'll tell you this. Kayla, I'm not sure uh, the coming sprint stages. I haven't looked at all the final sort of 2Ks, but Kayla needs a technical finish with a corner with 200 meters to go. That is Caleb's bread and butter. Back in the day when he was the best in the world, 20, sort of 16, 2018, etc. or 2018 was probably the year, when he entered a corner with 200 to go or, or a sharp slowing deceleration point with 200 to go, if he went through first, he would win. And I think part of the problem of why Caleb hasn't won yet is because he's lacking that confidence to kick first. And I think if Caleb can be the first to um, hit out in his sprint, not from 400 meters, but if he can get delivered, so he is the one kicking off the final rider in the lead out to sprint first, I think he will win. So if, if it occurs where he finds himself in second wheel with 250 to go, with the rider in front performing a lead out for their teammate, maybe a few wheels back in the train, and then that rider peels off and Caleb kicks first, I can see him winning then. But at the moment, he's having to try and kick over Philipson, who's only having to sprint for 10 seconds. And Philipson is the fastest rider there. And Caleb needs to go, um, he needs to go first. So that's what I think. There's uh, still a few sprint stages left. So yeah, I think Caleb can do it. Megan, what impact will Wout have leaving the tour? Uh, what impact will Wout leaving the tour have on Yumbo Visma? Interesting. So, if you don't know, Wout Manart's wife is pregnant. I think they've already got one son. So this is baby number two. And um, it could be the first baby. I can't really remember. But anyway, she's pregnant right now. She's ready to go. Uh, and it's around about stage 16 uh, that she might give birth. So Wout is going to leave, obviously, to, um, to see the birth of his child. So... How will that impact Yumbo Visma? Well, I think it's going to impact Yumbo in a few ways. Stages 13 to 17, look at them on the on the previews. Go look at the stage profiles. Stage 13 to 17, it is crazy. It is an absolutely brutal package of mountain days, and it will decide the tour. Uh, by stage 17, we'll know who's going to win uh, the Tour de France. Now, Vingegaard, obviously, his um, chances of winning the tour are really tied to Wout. Wout is absolutely, um, you know, he's a crucial cog in that team. And I think there's two things to consider here with regards to Wout and, um, you know, his influence on the team. One, I think that he may have, the fact that he may have a date that he needs to go, and it could be around stage 15, stage 16, I think it's going to play in his mind two things. He wants to win a stage, right? He wants to win a stage. He's in incredible form. But also, he's there to help the team. And the team knows that. They're playing the two cards. If he has to leave earlier, that means that little nagging uh, you know, stage win dream in his mind, it's going to be amplified. He was hoping to have already had a stage by now, and then he can just kick back the clutch and do the teamwork because he's got what he wanted. But he missed out on two stages. He was so close on a couple. He's been second and third, and he hasn't got that stage yet. So now that he's kind of got that exit date looming, God, I've got to go. I might have to go. I might have to go soon. My chances for winning a stage are um, limited now. I think that will be one of those things playing in his mind. So there might be a few stages, such as tomorrow, where. He'll want to go for it, but maybe the team will say, no, we just we need you just in case something kicks off. So I think that will that could cause friction. 
Um, and obviously, if he does leave on stage 16, stage 17, um, wow, there's only so much he can do on stage 17. But uh, yeah, it will definitely hamper um, Vingegaard's chances for sure because he is such a weapon. And last night, if you're watching the stage, that big mountaintop finish on the dome, um, Sepp Kuss dropped a lot earlier than uh, he... Well, I guess he dropped a lot earlier than we all would have expected. Uh, you go back and watch the final 3K of that stage, and you would have thought, wow, uh, sorry, you would have thought Sepp Kuss would have been there to the very end because um, he's been so good so far. But he dropped, and not only did he drop, he absolutely blew up. So... I have a feeling that maybe Sepp Kuss might start to fade in this second week, the 13 to stage 17. I think he might not be as useful. He didn't look that good. Um, he really blew up there, so uh, we'll see. Well, I don't know. Maybe the, maybe the baby will stay in there. Who knows? Maybe the baby will know that Wout's at the tour and just stay up there for a little bit longer. I don't know. There's got to be some kind of voodoo you could do. Um, you know, maybe Wout can do some magic. Anyway, um, that's what I think. Chris. Chris says, Can injured riders stay with the team and watch and support their team if they want to? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, I think if they wanted to, they could. It would depend on their injury because obviously they still have to recover and go get surgery if it's a nasty injury or um, just start the recovery process, which they'd be able to do to the maximum when they're at home. You know, they have all their recovery tools, they can go to the pools, they can do this and that. But trying to recover from an injury whilst at the Tour de France would be horrible because remember, they're not staying in one place. They're not in a nice bed. They're often staying in three-star hotels uh, at the Tour de France, you know, in France, it's, it's a lottery. You get a four-star, you get a two-star, you get a three-star. It's all a, um, a lottery that's done random, randomized um, every year. So you're moving every day, you're in bad beds, you're, some rooms don't have aircon, you wouldn't have access to all the tools for recovery, you know, hot and cold pools, stretching materials, all that stuff. You're cramped on buses. It's not the best place to recover from an injury if you're out of the tour um, or sick for that matter. But, um, I mean, yeah, you could, but I just don't think any rider would want to either because you've all been on those... I guess you would have had something in your life where you've been injured or unable to participate um, in a race or in a team or um, something like that. And the worst thing can be sometimes is staying there and watching because you just get the FOMO, right? So, um, yeah, I would imagine that any injured rider would be asked by the team to um, obviously go home immediately and... and um, yeah, then they can get back in their routine, recover, and get back to doing um, their job, which of course is riding. So yeah, but good question though. It's really interesting, and I wonder if any rider has stayed, uh, but I can't remember ever hearing about that. Um, Joe, favorite thing about cycling? What's your favorite thing about cycling now, and has this changed over time? Well, my favorite thing about cycling now is watching um, the best of the best compete against each other. Uh, I love watching sport in any kind of sport, anything, even if it's a sport I don't watch, the best of the best. Like I'll watch the Super Bowl, I'll watch the NASCAR, Daytona, I'll watch uh, Monaco F1, I mean I do love F1, um, the Ashes, footy grand finals, I want to see the best athletes always competing. So my favourite thing about cycling is watching the monuments. I love watching the monuments, Roubaix, Milano San Remo, Tour of Flanders, because 
these are one day events when all the riders are peaking for this event and especially these days when say for the tour of flanders you get Wout Van Aert, you get Matthew Vanderpoel, you get Tom Pidcock, you get today Pogacar, let alone all the other classics beasts, they're all competing against each other and they're humming, they are absolutely peaking, they've bloody had a bloody taper all week, they're fresh, they've had openers in the races leading up to this, everything is built up to these events and you get the peak going against the peak, that is and will always be my favourite thing about cycling professionally, uh, professional cycling um, I absolutely love that and um, yeah I mean in terms of the personal uh, cycling I still love racing filthy criteriums um, I really really enjoy it um, just that feeling of the speed and kind of the hecticness of it the adrenaline rush of, of cornering next to people and sprinting and all that sort of stuff that's always super fun but I have to say the gravel cycling in the last two years has definitely taken my uh, taken a lot of love away from everything else. I love uh, riding gravel and, and, and bike packing and, and getting into that. And I think just being in the bush and, and riding really fun trails uh, when you've got no care about cars or, or um, you know, if you fall over on gravel, who cares? You know, it's dirt. You, you don't really hurt yourself, um, even if you're going fast, generally. Um, but on the road, if you stack at training or in a group or whatever, that, tend to, that does tend to hurt a little bit. So, um, yeah, I've yeah i really enjoy the dirt and um yeah but you can't beat a filthy criterium in a town center that stuff just gets me up and down so jando jando says how will let me just get this one up jando shout out to the patreons too by the way thanks for supporting me and um yeah really cool to see everyone's uh commenting on the post as well so he says question jando anderson jumbo versus uae how do you see the battle between the two teams taking place the next two weeks? Are Jumbo being too ambitious, and will UAE ambush them in the final week and blow the race apart? Well, it's only 17 seconds, isn't it? It's 17 seconds. They've traded blows, you know, and, and traditionally, Vingegaard is the better climber. He's shown he's had the better numbers um, when it comes to the climbing, but... The last two mountain stages, when Pog has dropped Vingegaard, he has done better climbing numbers. And the numbers that Pogacar put out on uh, the last night's stage on the dome, um, as as said by Lantern Rouge, the boys, they, they do the calculations. He did the best climbing numbers on those lengths of climbs that he's ever done. And if he's doing those numbers on those sort of climbs, those steep, crazy climbs that should favor Vingegaard, who is lighter, if he's dropping Vingegaard there, then it's very difficult to see how Vingegaard could beat him anywhere else because Vingegaard should be beating Pogacar. He should be dropping Pogacar on the steep, sustained climbs. Anything above 11% sustained for four kilometers, that is Vingegaard's turf. and. You know, to their credit, Jumbo are trying to just sort of twist the narrative a touch in their media interviews and ex and sort of say that, no, that really suits Pogacar more than it suits me. I don't think so. I think that those climbs really suited Vingegaard in the past and Pogacar dropping him on both of those types of finishes, well, that's a concern. And, and Vingegaard, I think, he hasn't looked so good. And Sepkus also, I don't think is going to be that good in the next couple of um, days. 
uh, stages 13 to 17. He did not look good in last night's finish. And Pogacar seems to be coming up. So, you know, often the easiest way to follow who's going to win is look at the momentum. Who's got the momentum? And at the moment, it does seem like it's Pogacar. Um, he does need a bit more from his team, but I have a feeling, I have a feeling that we're going to see more from Micah in this uh, in this next 10 days. I think Micah will come back, and I think Mikel Berg will also do a big shift, and Soler, I think those three riders, Soler, they will um, pull a big shift. So it's going to be interesting. Wout leaving will certainly hurt them, um, but... Yeah, I mean, Pogacar can also get a little bit too confident too. He's such an aggressive rider, and it's going to be really interesting to see. So Grand Calibier climb on stage uh, 13, which is Friday. Have a look at that stage profile. Uh, that's going to be really interesting. 17 kilometers at 7% gradient. It's a beast of a climb. Uh, it's one uh, that's going to go up pretty high altitude-wise. So I think we'll get another idea then. Uh, if Pogacar drops Vingegaard on that climb, I think it's all over. Um, but if Vingegaard takes a little bit more on Pogacar, well, geez, it could go either way. But I do think you've got to go with the momentum. And at the moment, Pogacar, he's looking very good. And also, don't forget, he was supposedly coming into this tour underdone. Underdone. Which means he's got room to grow. Vingegaard was coming in peaking. All the all the Grand Tour riders who were coming into the Tour of France this year, because of that first week, they weren't trying to grow into the Tour in terms of their form, grow into that third week. They had to come in tip-top shape, right? But Pogacar came in underdone, so I think Pogacar actually may get better as this Tour gets on, um, thanks to his injury with the wrist. But yes, I think that's the main ones of the topic. We don't want to go on forever, but uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this one, Legends, and thanks to everyone who sent in the questions. Sorry I couldn't answer all of them. We've got to keep a little bit to a time commitment. A um, little bit of transfer gossip uh, just before we leave, uh, Legends. Cav, we're talking about Cav. Where's he going to go? Okay, does he go another get? Does he go around again? Well, you know what? I think he does. I think he goes around, goes around again with Astana, and I reckon Astana get Mr. Mikel Morku, who is out of contract at Quickstep this year. I think he hasn't really gelled with Jakobsen, and Jakobsen is leaving uh, Quickstep to go to DSM. And um, yeah, I can see Morkov being called upon by Cav. Cav would ring him up and say, look, I want to go around again, but now we've got an opportunity to improve my lead out once, once more. And um, yeah, Mikael Moku, I could see that happening, going to Astana, final year, little sunset contract, little uh, bonus as well uh, for getting Cav wins. I could definitely see that happening. Um, another little transfer rumour at the moment. Remember when I talked with Jens Hoogland, uh, Uno X, and he talked about his transfer targets. Now, just about every rider he mentioned when I asked him who he'd like to have on his team. Uh, has been linked to the team for next year. Um, we saw Christoph two years ago uh, when he when he mentioned Christoph. He's now Uno X. Magnus Court Nilsson was on his radar. Uh, the uh, Andreas Lechnerson as well. We saw him the Giro. He's going to Uno X. Um, and at the moment, Tobias Foss was also rumored to go there, but it seems like he's going to Ineos next year, which is really interesting. And I think Ineos are trying to build. Um, they want that sort of 
the Mickey on Berg style, Rowan Dennis style rider, that Wout style rider. They want someone who's an absolute horse machine on the flats, but can also climb in those sort of medium to high mountains. And I think that's what they're going to try and recruit um, Tobias Foster Ineos for. So that'll be really interesting if that does come off. Of course, Teo Gagenhart is going to Lidl Trek. That is pretty much done and dusted. And um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, Teo on Trek. And sexually speaking of Trek, Jonathan Milan from Bahrain, uh, Bahrain Victorious, he is rumored to go to Trek as well. And that's looking pretty much a done deal. Now, that's an interesting one. Milan has really come to the scene the last sort of 20, 24 months, I would say, two years, uh, two and a half years. But if he goes to Trek, what about Mads Pedersen, the man, the man we love? What about Mads? Milan is not a pure sprinter. He's kind of a hard man sprinter. He can get through some pretty tough days. And there's many stages and races that Mads would do that Jonathan Milan would also like to do and compete for that win. So that's going to be a really interesting dynamic if they do go on the same team. And, um, you know, Mads isn't afraid to... Uh, make his thoughts known uh put it that way so he's kind of the the king ping on that team so jonathan milan we'll see can they gel that'd be really interesting uh there's a few other rumors that i'd love to share but you know i'm going to keep those ones under the belt not mine to share just yet but i tell you what there's a couple of huge names that will not be riding for their current teams uh next year that have not been made known uh on the transfer rumor mill Okay, legends, thank you so much for listening. We've got next week, Beth Duria, Canyon Tram Director Sportif. What it's like being the director of a team at a Giro, at a Tour de France fam. Send me any questions you want to ask Beth, anything you're interested in, and I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Thanks for sending in the questions. Thanks to Attacker, Smith Optics, and, of course, Zwift. And I'll see you on the other side.